We're in a Church in the Wild series right now. And, and that, as, as your pastor, you have to understand that is my one concern. How do we build a church that honors the name of the Lord? I know you want to invite your friends here and you're worried that they don't uh, believe everything that we believe yet. But there's such a, a sense of belonging here that you can belong before you actually believe. And all we're trying to do is get people next to the presence of Jesus. We are so confident in that, that people's hangups about Christianity will go by the wayside. Um, as God begins to, to meet the need in their hearts. But did you know that God loves people who disagree with him? So don't worry about that. God is bigger than all of those things. And even the things that you came bringing in here, you know, we can try to counsel all of those things out of you. But you know what's even better is just coming and meeting in the presence of God and turning the music up and worshiping your faces off. And, you know, as a byproduct, God is like, hey, I take care of my kids. Like, it's not going to look in the world. You will have trouble. But relax. I've overcome the world. And uh, today is uh, I'm preaching a sermon called The Blueprint. Because you might have come in here and this might be your first church experience or your 14th church experience. And um, there are so many promises that can't come true until the, the church becomes your church. So many promises that just cannot come true until the church becomes your church, until the pastor, I'm Pastor Corey, by the way, until the pastor becomes your pastor, until Pastor Aaron becomes your pastor, until Sean is not like just the, the keyboard guy, until he's your keyboard guy. You know what I'm saying? Until there's this like, it's not the Sunday school teacher. That's my kid's Sunday school teacher. Until we own the church, until the church becomes our, what it's meant to be. And that is our family. And I think that people shop around for churches. And, I, and if that's been you, can I just say, I had somebody actually after the first sermon where I probably hurt their feelings. They were just super honest with me. And they're like, you know what? We've been sort of shopping churches around and we realize that's not the approach to take. I would say, you don't shop around for a family. Says in the word of God that God sets the solitary in families. You don't go around and be like, I'm kind of unhappy with my family right now. I'm out on the street by myself. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to Vicky's home and be like, so what do you believe, Vicky? What kind of food do you serve on Thursdays? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what, what do you offer at this family? Uh, it's just a weird sort of way to think about it. And if you're thinking about the church in a way like that, I would just uh, challenge you today to be like, hey, listen, God might call you here. And if he calls you here, then let's get involved because there are so many promises that only happen when this is your church. And uh, sometimes you're like, you know what, I come, but I want to come in, but I'm a little worried about you. My own staff is worried about me. Um, so I'm going to peel the layers back and you're going to get a backstage pass to how we think and really to our blueprint here at Venue Church. Um, and then you can decide if God has called you here. But you know, it's, I'll just take the pressure off you. Just ask God. And uh, I'm going to ask you for a response at the end of the service as well. So you can come up here and share your heart. No, I'm just kidding. Um, even just during the last song, I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it, but, but I want you to commit to where God wants you to commit to. And uh, we're going to mobilize you and make an army out of you if it's the last thing that we do. Because um, our city needs us to, and our province and our nation needs us to uh, become soldiers of Jesus Christ. So anyways, I just kind of started that super heavy and weird. Um, hey, what are you doing first uh, in the first Wednesday of the month, which is this Wednesday at 7 o'clock? We have a worship night and a prophetic teaching. I'm going to teach about choice. I know you're worried because your kids are in school right now and they're learning all sorts of weird crap about society and about morality and about all these things. I'm going to show you, hey, relax, Christian. We're going to, I'm going to do a teaching about choice, that the world is based on choice. And the word of God says, choose life or choose death. Choose something and then live with it. 
And so uh, I'm going to show you that um, it's not, it's not, it's not what you're hearing out, out there. And, and look, people are confused out there because they don't know God. They don't know their maker. And I get that, but you shouldn't be confused out there. And how are you ever going to, unless you've wrestled with some of these things that I've wrestled with and the Holy Spirit is showing me for you, it's going to be a powerful little teaching moment in uh, First Wednesday. All the small groups that meet on First on Wednesdays actually come here on First Wednesday. So we want to see you here. Um, and it's just powerful. We say struggle all week or uh, just come to First Wednesday and let God sort it for you. But if you, some people just like a struggle. All right. Uh, next, I'm preaching a sermon series called Relationship Goals because your friend called they said that you're getting a little weird. And so um, it's hard to connect with people when, when you don't know how, or you're basing your connection on something that uh, the word of God, because uh, God designed you and he knows uh, what will, will connect you. And you're only on this earth to connect with God and to connect with people and to do one thing, which is connect other people with God and people. And uh, I'm going to be talking about relationships and just different relationships through there um, from a b biblical standpoint. And uh, you're going to love it because you're a venue church and you just love everything that happens at church and the house of God. So, um, all right, let me start with this statement. Thank you, Sean. Um, many churches have the right vision, but in reality, their blueprint is what is getting the actual results. So I come from the trades world and I'm going to be talking about different uh, church cultures today a little bit. I'm going to be making fun of some of them. I make fun of ours sometimes. Um, but I'm going to say that there's, there's, uh, we're just church in the city with a little C and we believe in every other church in the city and I'm friends with the other pastors and, and we love and we bless them. And sometimes we send people to them with, that we don't like. And the, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, but listen, <laughs> also if you're new, this is kind of what we do here. Um, but listen, we all make ice cream. We just make coffee and salted caramel ice cream here. Have you been to village ice cream? I'm thinking about that right now. Mix the two of those kinds together. It will change your life like the sermon will. Okay. So, but listen, every church makes ice cream. We're just going to show you today how we make ours. So, um, I'm not going to go through like saying right and wrong. Like this is the wrong way to build church or right way to build a church. Look, every church has to be built according to, to the way that God tells uh, the leaders of the church that he wants it done. Right. Cause we're building a house for God. Right. So, but nobody starts out building a church. Nobody has an idea. Hey, we should start a church and make it really, really crappy. Right, like nobody has started a church like we're going to make a mediocre church that doesn't reach anybody and doesn't do anything. And then it's going to get weird and full of church politics and we're not even going to want to go. All right. So nobody who creates a church culture ever sets out to what we do is we start with this beautiful picture that we see the early church. And uh, I come from the trades world. And so have you seen those architectural drawings on the front of a blueprint where they have like trees and like a river flowing through the property that has no river? You know what I'm saying? Every church starts out wanting to build something as beautiful and architecturally it looks amazing. But you know what you don't see on the front page is the plumbing. And you can put a river through your property, but if the plumbing backs up in church, everything's going to smell sort of funny and people are going to get weird. It's going to be very tradesy today, I think. Um, now, this is not going to be about doctrine and truth today. I'm going to be talking about something that, that is actually building... Uh, our church, and that is uh, something that trumps everything else, and that is our church culture, uh, what you feel when you walk in, um, how we actually interact with each other, how the youth team interacts with the children's team. Um, is this going to work for you? Because look, look, if we let the youth team decide what to do in the church, they would build a water slide right here. 
because that's all that they care about, right? Which would be kind of amazing. Until like right now when I'd be like, who put the water slide here? It was the youth team, right? And so how do we actually interact with each other? How do we play in the sandbox? Do we have um, a playbook that we're actually working off of with a blueprint? Um, some churches are sort of making blueprints up as they go. Um, we actually kind of come at it from, the, from a very different perspective. Just give me a little time to sort of get into it. Um, now listen, you, Christian, if you're a son or daughter of God, you're here to do more than feel good. Like you are on this earth to do something for God. You're, you're here to like connect with God and people and build something that connects God with people. So if you don't build something with your life, you're going to get to the end of your life and be lying in a hospital bed and be like, why on earth did I never get involved in the call of God in my life? Because I was supposed to actually do something that matters. A lot of people are, are, when they go out, they go out with massive amounts of regrets and it's never about what car that they could have bought. It's always about their, their meaning and their purpose and what they could have spent doing with their lives. And I don't want you to get to that place. So let's talk about the church blueprint. Um, now... Can I read you, we have a, a, a playbook here because um, the blueprint is actually getting every church their current results. The blueprint is not what you say you believe is a church venue. It is what you actually do, right? So we can say, hey, this is what we want it to look like and here's what, but if we're not actually building if we're not actually building it, it's not going to look like that. And so we can look at the front cover and be like, but how do we get there? And how do we get this section of the church and that? And a person who's 31 and just got married with a person who's 47 and has teenagers he doesn't like. And how do we... All you, all you parents of young children are like, I'm going to be an amazing parent and I'm never going to say that. And when your teenager hates you, we're going to be like, we tried to tell you, but you were stupid. How does the church integrate different people groups and colors and backgrounds and experiences and this person grew up healthy and this person grew up abused? How does God encompass in the church all of the things together and how can this sermon talk to you and the 500 other people in a, in a, a very specific different way? How does the Holy Spirit actually do all of these things and fix your issue and their issue even though you think they're different issues when they're not? Well, we're not geniuses. We're just trying to build a church that God told us to build. But we're very intentional about things. Now, um, the intangibles actually build your, your culture and, and how you feel. And if you cut us, this is what we bleed. And so I'm going to get into some of this. Now, this is just our blueprint. Um, I'm not saying, like, this is all that we know how to build. And I'm going to ask you at the end of it to maybe do a blueprint swap with me. Because this is what we're, and if God called you here, then God's going to call you to this blueprint too. And I'm just going to ask you, uh, as you get in and see, I think we're pretty solid in how we do some of these things. And I'm going to try to erase some of those issues um, and some of those trust barriers as well. But we've got to build what God called us to build. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. So um, we, um, my dad grew up in a very ch different church culture than we have. My dad was my pastor also for years. But where he came from was very, very different. So he came from what was called a board-run church, um, where the, the denomination... Uh, in the town they grew up in, voted board members on. So it's like sheep voted bigger sheep, I guess, onto a board. And then the board voted a pastor in. And then the, the board actually decided they needed to build a church and to build a house for the pastor that was on the church property. Did anybody come from that sort of a church background? It's like you had the, the what do you call that, the parsonage? Yeah. I had to build my own dang house here. So thank you, Benny <laughs> Church. It's just different church cultures, right? And so, um, but the board runs. So my dad said, this is what they used to do. They built the church and the pastor got no say whatsoever about what the church was going to be like. 
um, which is a little bit weird if you go to venue, and about what his own house was going to look like and what it was supposed to be like. And he didn't even want to stay in it because that's just the way that things were then. And so in that particular, you know, that particular church, some of you are going to love this. If you're from an unchurched background, you're going to be like, churches are messed up. And I'm going to be like, you're not wrong. Okay. So, so they come from this situation and then they vote the pastor in. Now they would have discussions as a board about if the pastor was allowed to have cabinets in his office and what kind of cabinets were they going to be. And if I was the pastor, I'd be like, hey, like I'm right here. And whether he was going to be allowed to lock his cabinets or not. Or whether he was going to have a lock on his office door for privacy or whether he was going to be allowed to or not. My dad told me one time that they spent an hour one time uh, discussing what kind of stationery and letterhead the pastor was going to be allowed to write on. Now, in that sort of a structure, I find the voting process very destructive in church culture. I think it lends itself to a lot of politics. I also just, I don't, I don't personally, I want you to know our philosophy as a church. I don't think that it works because if it doesn't work in a family, how is it supposed to work in this family? And it's like, hey, let's vote kids. What time should bedtime be? You know what I'm saying? Like, or in a, in a, on a construction site or like, who's, who's not going to vote a boss into play that allows five hour lunch breaks like Jason would, because I know him, you know, until the, until the building doesn't get built and then he goes bankrupt and then he can't feed his kids. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like this weird little thing of like voting, but because we're from Canada, we think that that's normal in church culture. Whereas church is really more like a family and more like a kingdom than anything else. And so uh, I'm poking a little bit of fun at, at this. Um, I was supposed to go through iPods, but I forgot about that. Um, so anyways, so I'm talking about this. What was I talking about? Oh, the church stationary. I'm like, that's great because a denominational setting in that sense of voting and uh, the slow moving process of the board and like, hey, we got to keep the pastor in check because pastors are a little crazy. Not wrong. But what the tendency is to do is not really to look for leaders. It's really to look for the more pastoral types who like visiting people in the hospital and like keeping everything safe and kind of keeping things going. Whereas we, we, we're unsure that that's for what God has called venue to do. We're more like a shock troop in the city and we're built more around the idea of an army. And if we take an hour to argue about stationary and letterhead, everybody gets shot in the face and your neighbor doesn't go to heaven, you know? So that's sort of how we approach that of like, we are a risk-taking church. I'm not saying the other is wrong. I'm saying it will get a certain type of results that we're not interested in in that sense. And the, the joke's on, on them. I don't, I don't even have stationary. <laughs> so this is the only piece of paper that I currently own right now. And if you hand me a piece of paper, I hand it to Renee because I'll lose it before I get to the office because I hate paper. And this piece of paper stresses me out because there's words on it. And sometimes there's numbers on paper and stuff. And I'm like, I just want to look at an email and then close my computer so that I can think about things that I like. And so I know that it sounds super stupid, but like this is stressing me out because it's got words. And it's like, and it's made out of paper and I love trees too much. Um, You're like, what's on the paper? I guess I should probably talk about that. Also, it should be noted that I lost my notes in the first... Uh, sermon and somebody's like basically like wish you had paper and I'm like well now I do <laughs> but like whatever um, what doesn't work in building a church are when we work off of multiple blueprints it's extremely divisive and which is why we're very upfront about our blueprint when you come because we need you to like do it. <laughs> the one blueprint. Because if, if you're working off of this blueprint in a youth ministry and the other person beside you is working off a different blueprint, you're not building the same building. 
Like you're trying to make this ice cream and they're trying to make that ice cream. I don't think it really works. And I'm pretty sure that disunity uh, doesn't honor God. And, and we have a saying here that we're like, because God pours his anointing out in unity. And the anointing is what breaks the yoke of the enemy's work in people's lives. So we have to be unified in what we're building. And unified just this church with the other churches in the city. Unified for the harvest field, which is our harvest field together. And so um, is this helping you? We also have a saying at Venue Church. We have some sayings like comfort is the new... Uh, discomfort is the new comfort like we don't care about comfort we're trying to save people we don't really care about church people preferences all that much because we're like hey we'll get over it let's just reach the next person if we could um, let's just provide a great visitor experience so somebody can experience salvation experience jesus we also have another saying like what's it called when you have more than one vision division right yeah like so we don't like it doesn't it's division it's divisive um i could tell you about church politics oh my goodness but i can't because i actually have to preach about the bible um, so we have a playbook. We run plays. So the youth team has a playbook that, that we wrote out for them because if we didn't, they wouldn't know what day it was because they work in youth ministry. The youth ministry should be laughing super hard right now because you know that that's true. And we have great, we have great, uh, we have great workers everywhere in this church. Can I read you our ministry guest experience for the first impression? I hope you felt this the first time that you came in here. Maybe it was today. Um, this is what the team gets. They get an iPod. An iPod is uh, an imperative, preference, optional, and do not list. iPod. So imperative. Here's an imperative. Uh, here's the vision, first of all. They don't get to make up their own vision of like, I really like coffee and I'm going to talk about coffee when people come in. I'm like, that's great if they like coffee, but that's not really the vision of the team. Here's the vision to warmly welcome people of all anythings to belong before they believe. I hope you feel that when you come here, like welcome to church. No, we don't care that you don't believe everything right now. Meet Jesus and let's start there and let's let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting in people's lives. Um, so here's some of our imperatives to open doors rather than shut them by means of relationship. Start getting to know people. Uh, to ultimately extend the hospitality to accurately convey the heart of the pastors to each and every person. So you're not just representing you. You're actually representing us. Pastors, uh, Corinna, you're representing our hearts to people when they come in. Which means like smile. Um, to surprise people with our care and excellence. To get them back next week. To compliment people, especially children. Now, why did we write this in here? Why do we feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do that? Because I think kids get torn down too much. And I want, when kids come here, I want them, that's why you'll hear me say to your kids, I mean, I'm just taking all the magic out of it for you. I'm intentionally like, I love your hat. Oh my goodness, that, if I could fit that sweater, I'd, I'd take it off right now and wear that sweater. Because it's so cool. It's just literally so cool. Why? Because there's so much in the, the enemy's work in a child's life trying to tear them down and hurt them. When they come here, I want them to be built up. I'm going to... We're going to love them. My parents did that to me. It's like, hey, we, hey, we think you did great. You know? Um, here's a preference, publicly joyful and faith-filled over like super like somber. And some of you are too holy to be happy. And so like, we'll put you on a prayer team to get you fixed or put you behind a computer. But when you're talking to people, man, put a smile on your face. You are representing the Lord's house. You're representing our hearts to them. So we don't put people who don't smile at the door. Um, so find your smile and then we'll put you on that first impressions team. We want people to feel joy when they come to the house. Not just to be like, oh my goodness, guess whose cat died this week? 
I want to say something about cats, but I can't. Okay, um, here's an optional, styles of clothing. Um, we don't care if you wear this brand or that brand, like it's just an optional. Um, here's an optional, allowing introverts and extroverts to connect at their own comfort level. Some people just want to come in and like, hi, and then come and sit down here. Introverts, that's what we call them. We're like, hey, we want to provide space for you to kind of connect and just relax a little bit. No, we're not going to like force ourselves. And like, if you meet Layden, he will definitely force you onto a small group. But it's like, hey, we want you to be able to connect and just relax a little bit and take it at your own speed. Um, here's a do not. Do not ever criticize a visitor. Ever. Now, we have people who like handle people. If people come in here, don't really know, you know, etiquette in the house of God. Some people come in here. It's mostly Christians who are like, I'm going to do whatever I want here. And we're like, this is not your house. So... I mean, says, can I just be honest? Like, some Christians come in and they're like, this is my house. I get to order all things according to my will. You are not the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, but we don't ever criticize at the door. We never criticize a visitor. In fact, we just never criticize. Uh, we try not to criticize visitors. We'll deal with problems where we need to deal with them. Compliment. Let's lift people up. Is this helping you? So we give people an actual playbook. Well, if you bring your own playbook to the game and you're like, I'm going to dress up uh, like a, a, a Wookiee. Because I feel like that would welcome me to church. I would go to that church. Well, I would go to that church personally, but most of you wouldn't. Because you don't know what a Wookiee is. And so, you know, it's just, it, we can't operate off of two different playbooks. It's called division. And we're not building the same thing. And we're certainly not building it together. Um, now, here's, here's for vision at venue. Can I just say, like, we're not looking for good ideas. We're looking for God ideas. So we think this is God's house. And uh, the staff told me you need to mention in the sermon to people that you pray a lot. Like that's really where we get most of our direction from. I'm also accountable. I have a pastor. Um, I have people on our board who are offsite. I have somebody who's oversight, meaning they can come in and change anything they want. And if I go crazy and steal your money, that they will come in and kick me out. <laughs> I, I want you to know this. Like for moral reasons, I can be kicked out of my own church because I'm no longer building what God told me to build in a way that would please the Lord. And that can actually happen here, but I can't get kicked out because I wore an orange towel as a shirt today. And I've gotten compliments from a lot of you about this and my pastor Aaron hates this shirt. And that makes me like it even more. And it does feel like a towel. It's like super nice. It's like one of those mechanics rags. Anyways, um, here are some of our intangibles when you come in here. We think flexibility is power. We are opportunists. We'd rather do something than talk about it. Now, by the time uh, a slower moving church, and there's nothing wrong with that if you want the safety of that, we are a risk-taking church. So it's always gonna feel a little uncomfortable until you realize the beauty about that is that we come in, we do all this preparation because I'm not even sure what the Holy Spirit wants me to preach sometimes. And I've worked on it for like five days. And I'm not even sure yet until I get here and then I realized that the Holy Spirit opens it up for me because sometimes the crowd changes and sometimes this is a different than the last service. And, but there's still something beautiful about the Holy Spirit getting whatever he wants, which is what we try to do to please the Father and to reach people. So we think flexibility is power. We're very team oriented. Uh, you need to know that just because I have the final say doesn't mean that I have all of the say. Um, in fact, I'm quite open to correction at times because we want the same vision. And I come from the trades world, which brings a lot of strong old people together to build one project. But on site, we got to make some changes sometimes. And uh, I was frustrated about an issue this week. And one of my staff, because I wanted to deal with it right now, um, I have people read my emails too, because I'm like, I, am I, do I sound angry? Because I'm not angry most of the time. I'm just super direct and have a short attention span. 
And then my staff would be like, are you angry? Because you sound angry. And I'm like, oh, just soften it up for me then. You know, like, say something nice in there. You know, is this helping you? Like, I'm just super direct. I just, like, I don't like wasting a lot of time. And so I'm just, sometimes I say things that need to be, like, the words need to be shifted and changed. And then I look back and revise and be like, yeah, that's a way better way to say that. I just was in a hurry. Um, but I'm very team-oriented. So I wanted to deal with something that was really bothering me earlier in the week about something. And, um, and one of my staff said, you know what, you sound frustrated, so why don't we just leave this for a few days? And I'm like, that's probably a good idea. And then I'm like, I felt like a proud mama hen because I'm like, I feel like I taught her that. <laughs> and now she got to teach me what I taught her. I'm like, well, that's probably a good thing, <laughs> right? So I could deal with them when I felt a little nicer. Um, we're very movement oriented as a church. Understand that. Um, because we're so movement-oriented, 50% of politics get killed right at, right at that gate. Um, I have watched church cultures, and I've studied church culture, particularly the Canadian church. The slower you move, the more time people have to get upset about things that aren't issues. Or aren't issues the issues that God is upset about. Because God is upset about the state of your neighbor's soul. And he is upset about a lot of things, but maybe not about your husband forgot to get the milk. Um, that got ten super tense. I should have said wife and then all the, no, I don't know what I should have done. We're very movement oriented. Um, which means, listen, as your leader, as your shepherd, I'm not trying to lead you perfectly because this is war. What we do is war. You can't lead perfectly in a war. There are casualties. Um, all you can do is get as many bodies out of the water as you can and save as many people as you can. So, um, because, I mean, this is, if you try to lead perfectly, somebody, if you think that you can lead perfectly or pastor church perfectly, you've never counseled somebody's marriage. Because you listen to this side of the story and you're like, you are married to Satan. That is the worst person I have ever heard about. Then you talk to the other person and you're like, you're married to Satan. Like, they're awful. And sometimes I'm like, I don't even think that they know they're married to each other. Because it doesn't sound like they're in the same marriage. Right? So my goal is not to lead you perfectly because I don't think that exists in like the world right now. I'm just trying to get you to move forward. And so I create situations when you use chaos to keep people moving forward so that, because I don't think God opens doors when you're not moving. Cause I don't think God is wasteful. So I would rather you moving and we correct it than for you to be sitting there like motivate me. People ask me all the time, how is your church so motivated? I'm like, because I'm motivated because I don't want to have a bunch of Christians that I got to motivate to love Jesus, motivate your own self, feed your own self. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, we have a mission. I know I've hurt somebody's feelings. All right. When leadership moves too slowly, this is what I see happen. People get a low grade. It eventually comes into like this hostility thing where this low grade unhappiness where they start like, well, pastor, what you should do is this. And what you should do is people on the teams know that as soon as you tell me like, well, pastor, you should do this. I'm like, why don't you do it? Like I got lots of vision for the next 10 years and I'm doing stuff, you know? And so, but it's this like low grade thing where we, we all think we know the, how to fix the problem, but, but none of us actually can because we're not even in a position to fix some of the problems. Like, well, you know what they should do in kids ministry. I want you moving too fast to really worry about some of those things or to join a kid's team where you actually can affect some change. Because listen, we can do better in a lot of areas of the church if we had you and if we had your gift and if we had your... Um, here's something else about our church. We have a zero tolerance for gossip, which is rare in some church cultures. Um, so we say it like this, take your problem up. 
If you have a problem, take it up. If you take it sideways or down, you're just complaining. So there's no point talking to your brother who's also seven at home about mom. Go talk to mom or go talk to dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's take it up. If you have a problem in a small group, take it to your small group leader. If that doesn't work, take it to the small group leaders who's crystal right now. Like we will, we, we care and then leave it there and let us fix it. Let us help it. You know, like, is this sort of helping you? Like we just don't tolerate gossip. If something happens in small group, it's going to stay in that small group. That is our commitment. If it doesn't, your small group leader will be like, Hey, come here. Remember when we said that people could share things here and they were safe and you went and told your neighbor about that thing. We don't do that. We don't do that. We keep our promises and we have names and boxes. Um, is this helping you? All right. Um, did I share the staff said that I need to tell you that I pray a lot? Okay. By the time the staff gets here, I'm on my third prayer time. Now that's not because I'm super holy. It's just cause I'm like, I don't want to lead the church. I just want Jesus to like, I'm not trying to like sound super clever. I'm like really like, this is your house. What did you want to do about that situation today? Okay. And what do we do about this? And when I expect the team leads and the prayer team to be guiding us and directing us through the Holy spirit and what the Holy spirit is speaking. And so that's what we're trying to do. Um, we pay attention to details because people are in there and we care about people. Um, we clear the log jams early. We have early clarity. So if I have a team lead who's stuck on something, we had a Tammy, uh, who's our kids team lead. She's like, I was thinking about doing an event for Halloween. How should I approach it? What do you think? Should we do it? Should we not do it? And so listen, they're going to have to actually ex execute the whole thing. So I don't do that. So there's lots of freedom out there to do that. But here's, I'm like, here's my philosophy about Halloween. What I'm not trying to do is create a church, ex a church experience and pull the light out of the communities where people are literally volunteering to come to your home and meet you. I'm like, I'm not trying to take Christian kids who turn the lights out and hiss at five-year-old girls wearing witch dresses because the devil might enter their home. I'm like, that's not who I'd like to create this for. But if you can get the five-year-old girl dressed like a witch to the church, well, that's a different thing. Like, then we're going to do it because we can reach people. Is this helping you? My mom had a neighbor who did that, who used to be on their elder board, actually. And that's what their kid used to do, which is super creepy. Um, we try to clear the log jams just to give them that. We, we unify vision. We have constant alignment. We're constantly tightening the screws because we care so much. Um, we're high challenge, high impact, high fun, high involvement church. We turn the music up because there's a... Uh, an epidemic of people in church cultures judging worship when you should be worshiping in worship. Let God judge the worship. It's about God. Also, we're going to get a new sound system because we're always a little bit loud, but whatever. But listen, we're here to praise God and make it beautiful. If he likes the ground to shake, like in the Old Testament, like they worship so loud, the ground shook. They had 120 crazy priests blowing ram's horns. Try that out. That's super annoying and loud. Well, God liked it. God likes hands. God likes clapping. We, we read about it in the Bible. We're like, this is not about you anyways. We turn it up so you stop thinking and start worshiping. It's got to bypass this because it's so tiny. It actually is an affront to God. And God's like, I don't need you to pass it through your brain. Worship. Dance around. Act like a crazy person. All right. Release the snakes. <laughs> don't do that. There's some weird churches that, yeah, we're not going to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> release the dancing snakes okay <laughs> don't go home and google cults that's not going to be good for your soul okay um here's what happens when people lose clarity and when they lose mission 
politics. Church politics demobilize, demoralize, and destabilize. If we allow church politics in, church politics erupts into power plays about who gets to do what to who. And then if we vote on everything, then he's got to go and get people on his team so that his team, because he thinks that a majority rules, when God is like, actually, I want to do this thing, and it won't make sense to anybody, can we just do this thing? Because that'll actually reach people because I'm the one who saves them, right? And so, so we really don't do that. Now, around the table at a team talk, you have to understand we're very team-oriented, which means if somebody else, if God gives them something better, to, like a better way to do it, then I'll be like... I give up more than anybody else gives up in this church. I would do so many things differently, except for I would dress up like Chewbacca and meet at the door. But people are like, that's creepy and weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to give up whatever we have to give up to get the mission done. But I'll tell you, I want you addicted to getting the mission done. And when you're addicted to movement and getting the mission done, you won't get bogged down with what other people get bogged down with. All right. I was going to share, but I'm kind of getting out of time and I want to get to my text here because I should probably preach about the Bible. Um, I thought that was funny. I'm going to show you the early church is thriving. Paul and Barnabas are outreaching the Gentiles, Peter, and the Jerusalem church are reaching the Jews. The church is thriving and exploding and the devil brings division in to try to kill it. And uh, watch how they deal with this thing. If you want to know how we're actually set up with directors and teams and all of those things, go through Next Steps. It's just a series of videos. Uh, we might shift how we do that, but um, just go through that. Because I want this church to be your church, and I want you to know how it functions so that you can feel safe. Um, Acts 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised. Um, this is weird if you're new to church. But according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So he's talking about, they're talking about like, hey... Because of the outward, I can't get into it. Moses' law and all the rituals of Moses' law that he brought, that God showed him for Israel. They're saying, you have to do all of these things or you can't be saved. But people were getting saved. And people were getting filled with the Spirit without doing all of the ritual things. When Jesus was the sacrifice, that really cleaned up a lot of the rituals of sacrifice. And that's really what it's talking about. And so um, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. They're like, but it's happening. Um... So Barnabas and Saul were appointed. So you can't get appointed unless like somebody's your boss, right? They were appointed. They were not voted. They were appointed to go to Jerusalem um, to the, see the apostles and elders about this question. Very, very important venue church. When you bring something up, ask a question. Don't make a statement. It's like when somebody's like, God told me, pastor, to leave my wife and marry the, the girl that I just met at McDonald's. And I'm like, he told you or you're asking me if that would be God? Because that's crazy. Like, rather say it like this, and maybe this is somebody here. <laughs> Pastor, do you think that God told me to leave my wife and to marry the girl at McDonald's? And I'll be like, no, that was the devil. Please get prayed for after church. Okay. Um, stuff like that happens all the time. By the time you make a statement, I, I can't say anything. I can't be like, I don't think that was God. I can't say like, I don't think that this is a good time. I can't say anything, you know? When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and apostles and elders to whom they reported. You report things to your bosses. Even though God had given them a great ministry over here, they're like, we still report to certain people about what we're doing and how we're doing it. We are not God on this earth. This, even this church reports to another church. Like, we are accountable. Um, reporting everything God had done through them. Not everything they had done. Everything God allowed them to execute for him in God's power. Then some of the believers belong to the Pharisees. They stood up. So they're getting this great report. Then this group stands up and says, they must be circumcised and keep the entire law of Moses. 
The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much yelling, sorry, discussion, Peter got up and he makes a point. And he's like, but God already saved these people. And then I, I want to get down to this place here where he's like, okay, we need to hear from Paul and Barnabas because this is actually happening and God is actually moving. And so they talked about this. And, and then at verse 13, let's key off of this. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen. Now, James wasn't even following Jesus. We don't see from the scripture. James was the brother of Jesus. He wasn't even an original apostle. And he probably wasn't following Jesus during Jesus' lifetime. But when Jesus raised, you know, was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on up, worship team. When he raised from the dead, James becomes a believer. And for some reason, God chose James to be in charge of the Jerusalem church. And char in charge of the doctrinal issues that they're now arguing about. So imagine this. He wasn't even there in the ministry of Jesus. He wasn't even like, he wasn't even part of the 12 apostles. And for some reason, God chose James. James stands up and he's like, listen, everybody, because you're not listening anymore. You're talking. We can't fight this war if everybody's going to talk. We actually have to listen and do something. Verse 19, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. I just want to end there in the, in the text. It is my judgment that we should not make it difficult. He's like, we need to give them some counsel about stay away from sexual immorality. It's going to hurt you. Don't do this. Don't do that. But he's like, it is my judgment, meaning somebody's got to take responsibility for it. And the reason that the early church went into the rest of the known world was at that moment right there. When James stood up, I don't know if it was the right decision. I think it was a decision, and I think it got the church moving forward. When everybody got up and Paul and Barnabas said, yes, sir. And the Jews over here said, yes, sir. We believe that God is, has you in this position for a reason. Now we're going to go forward and reach the world. And they went and reached, reached the known world at the time. They didn't suffer division inside of their own ranks. And they all gave up their personal opinions because Paul and Barnabas would have treated it a little different. These guys would have treated it different. But they all laid down what they wanted for the good of the mission and for the good of the cities that they were working in. And I think, I know that it's not Canadian culture, but I think that there's a people rising up who really want the mission so badly that we'll give up some of the things that we want to get it. That we will give up our opinions about what a church ought to look like. And if it changes next week, we'll change it because our neighbor's soul hangs in the balance. And I want to ask you, don't shop for churches. Ask God one question. Is this the church? Is this the family? Is, is it venue? Because if it's venue, welcome to church. We're going to mobilize you and get you into, back into the fight. Some of you haven't been in the fight in a long time. You keep telling yourself that you are, but if you're not in, in a church, you need to go to the church that God has called you to. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. I just want to tear down that reasoning. They'll be like, I'm going to shop around and see if I like this church. I'm like, why don't you just ask God where he wants you to go? Because God's not going to go, ask you to go to a church that's perfectly comfortable. He's going to send you to a church that challenges you because he wants more from you. And he wants to mobilize you into something that you can't even see yourself operating in yet. So, Father, we lay down our ideas and our politics and our, we take our blueprint out right now and we just, we just hold it up for you and say, okay, if you've called us here, then we're going to need to take this blueprint on because we need to fight this battle. We need to do this mission. And, Father, let this church never be divided in our wholehearted mission of a life saved is worth everything. And I pray that we would get addicted to watching people's lives change in this very room, in the small groups, in the homes of in the city, Lord God. I pray that this something would bleed out of this city and reach our province and reach our nation, which is so far from you right now, God. We pray for a return. We pray for a revival. We pray that the Lord God would come and rule in this place and in every place. In Jesus' name, amen.